your body, your mind, and your spirit, they're all connected. If your health plan doesn't include an integrated approach, you're setting yourself up for failure. Your immune system is a critical part of your success. And we're going to talk about it today. Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. And with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Joining me with a freshly cut mohawk today from Oberlin, Ohio, is the most interesting man that I know, W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Hey, thank you. Thank you. The hair's looking beautiful. I think the most today. interesting man is about to be our guest. I agree. I agree. And somewhere lost in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Folks, we're really excited. Uh, if you have not listened to episode 20 of the Evolve podcast, we need you to go back and listen to that at the end of this episode because our guest today is a returning guest, uh, good friend Scott Kelly. Scott has spent over 25 years as a health coach, mentor, and integrative health practitioner, reconnecting individuals to their innate health and well-being while improving performance and living with clarity. Scott's integrative approach includes connecting to our true nature, nutrition, and gut health, brain health, physical health, and consciousness. State of Mind Coaching is the foundation of his integrative health and well-being programs, and Scott works with professional athletes, couples, families, teams, corporations, and individuals. Scott's integrative and inside-out approach wakes up our innate capacity to live, work, perform, and play from the inner vitality. Scott delves live or delivers live, virtual, and online workshops and retreats that leave people with a new and insightful understanding of their health, well-being, and living potential. Scott Kelly, great to have you back on. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Great to be here, guys. Super appreciate the, invita the invitation here. Yeah, I, as I said in uh, our earlier episode, every opportunity I get to uh, chat with and learn from you is just a treat. I mean, we've known each other now probably close to 20 years. Yeah, that's right. And every interaction that I have with you, I walk away feeling uh, so much more intelligent then I go to bed, wake up the next day, and I'm as dumb as I was before. But at least for a short moment, I feel quite a bit better. So thanks for coming back on. And and uh, again, folks, if you have not listened to episode 20 of the Evolve podcast, you're going to learn a lot of great things tonight, but you're going to learn a lot from Scott in that episode as well. Uh, Scott, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, and you know, what do you feel like that you are uh, really the best in the world at or that you're you're doing really well right now? Well, uh, first of all, I, uh, I appreciate the introduction and, and also our, our friendship and our conversations in the years and, and, uh, and, you know, waking up, just feeling, um, kind of like you're back to your, back to your regular self. That's just the human condition. Um, right. but that's what keeps us on the journey every day. Right. Yep. Um, I think we should thank you first for having that beautiful fire pit in the back, the fireplace in the backdrop. That's very thank calming, you. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's very calming. That's not lost on me. <laughs> That's right. You have to have that when you're in Park City, Utah. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's a, it's a good place to hang out too. Yeah. Well, you know, I think right now, Steve, what's, what's really resonating with me is, um, you know, really discovering who we truly are. You know, I think one of the things that I, that I pride myself in is, is being able to um, help people, including myself, look beyond all the masks, all the costumes, all the titles, all the minutiae that block us from realizing who we truly are. Now, that is a, that is a lifelong journey for sure. Um, but, but certainly once we can get, once we can shed some of these layers and just start to get a little bit of a glimpse of, of a deeper truth of, of who we truly are, um, it, it opens up an unbelievable capacity to see life in a more friendly way, in a loving way. It, we can see our health in a resilient way, and we can truly see where possibility resides. And it's not outside of ourselves. It's literally right within our, our sight, our, our feel, our touch, and our capacity to, to, uh, to express. I love that uh, definition and that, that, that description. I remember years ago when you and I were talking, the power that love has, especially relative to resilience, and I love how you talked about love and resilience and those two things together. Talk a little bit more about that. Why is love so critical to our resilience and our health? Well, I think, you know, first, first off, you know, I think that the, the thing that's so fascinating to me. I, I, um, I, uh, I had a brother who passed away this past, this past year. And one of the things that occurred to me was that in order for me to really connect with the love that I had for him, it was a process of really exploring all of the things that I saw or experienced that were beautiful about him. And once I started to observe, to observe all of these things that were just so beautiful about him as a human being, him as a, as a participant on the planet, the, the amount of love that I had for him and have for him just began to expand. And, and then I started to kind of like reverse that lens on myself and started to ask, well, what's beautiful about me? What are all the things that I see that, that are beautiful about me? And, in, and, and started to explore all of the things about the human body that are absolutely miraculous and beautiful. All of the things that uh, we express in our, in our talents, in our skills, in our abilities, and saw them as beautiful, beautiful gifts. And all of a sudden with that beauty came this unbelievable rush of love. And with that rush of love, it's like resilience is packed within that. We have the capacity to bounce back because we see that no matter what we're, what condition we're under, what our circumstances are, there's a beautiful way in which this organism, this species is always working to bounce back in a beautiful, beautiful way. Mm. And so beauty, love, resilience, they all come in this wonderful package. And for some of us, 
it's hard to love ourselves, but it's much easier sometimes to start by looking at what's beautiful, what's beautiful about ourselves, simply by looking at, well, you know what, it's beautiful how, uh, how we can breathe in oxygen and it can cycle through our body and provide a level of energy. It's beautiful that we can actually eat food from nature and break that open and deliver those nutrients to every single cell in our body and create repair and energy. It's beautiful how we have uh, immunity that can have a conversation with all of the bacteria and virus around the planet and create a level of, of, of um, community and connection to allow us to navigate in a way that we're not sick every single day of the year. It's beautiful. But if we don't see it that way, we can oftentimes get on the other side of the coin and, and get kind of spiteful, uh, revengeful, uh, and even hateful. So looking at beauty brings love and brings resilience along with it. I love that. I mean, you think about all the great societies in the world and in the history that we know about, there was an element of aesthetic and beauty, mm. right? That was foundational to the way that they thrived. And as beauty started to fall from these great societies, then the societies would fall. Mm. You said something earlier about connection through observation. You were connecting back to your brother by observing and thinking about the things that were great about him and the beauty there. And then you did the same process with yourself. It's really resonating with me and I'm not sure where this came from, but a few weeks back I was laying in bed and like all of us, uh, you know, if we have a significant other laying next to us, we say, Hey, good night. I love you. And then, you know, heads on the pillow and we go to sleep. Well, I did that and then I laid down and there was this voice in my head that said, I love you too. And I paused and I was like, who is that voice talking to? And there was this innate feeling of love and gratitude for myself. And I thought, oh, I've never really experienced that in this way as I'm going to bed. And so every night now I lay down, I put my head on the pillow, I hear that same voice, I love you. And this What's happened is, as I've been observing more, as you talked about, things that, in, that are in my life that are beautiful, and not necessarily just with me, but what's happening in my life and what are the beautiful things around me, I've had this greater sense of self-love. And there is a power to that. And I love how you're talking about this resist, or excuse me, this resilience that comes with it. But that connection happens through observation. You're right. Most people don't do a great job at that. Mm -hmm. How do they get started? Well, I think, I mean, I think you really just pointed to it so well, Steve. I think, you know, it's, it's that, it's that observation, you know, oftentimes people are told you need to love yourself. And um, some people stand in front of the mirror and they, they choke on the word as it comes out of their mouth. And, yeah. and, and I think the power of observation is really the portal the portal into love, the, the power of observation, the power of, of just simply um, curiosity of looking at ourselves mm. from within, looking at ourselves um, from, a, from a feeling point. Sometimes when we're, when we're like captured by a sunset and we really feel that 
we can we can find not only this is the sunset beautiful, but the feeling that it comes with is so beautiful. And it's beautiful that I get to feel that. It's beautiful that I get to feel a connection with my kids. It's beautiful that I have a connection with my wife. It's beautiful that I have a connection with nature, it, right? And so it's just simply observing all of these things that we often take for granted and just pausing long enough to really observe, feel that observation, and then we can simply experience love from there. So to your point, we see things from a different perspective, right? When we observe, it's a different perspective. That's right. Yeah. And it's not a, it's not a judgment, right? We're not, we're not looking to judge. We're just simply observing and, and observing how miraculous everything that's going on around us really truly is. And um, so, so, so that's where I think we start, we start with observation. I, I really see it as a portal. Uh, rather trying, rather than trying to convince ourselves, what we're really doing is we're inviting beauty to show us love. We're inviting the beautiful world, the beautiful life, the beautiful energy, the view- beautiful vitality, and the intelligence of life. We're inviting it to show us how to love. And if we can do that, we'll have a whole new definition of love that we've never considered before, and probably won't even have words for it. It's almost as yeah. if it's a change of perspective. You know, when somebody loves an animal or when somebody falls in love with another human being, you know, you just want to look at them and ask, say, well, why don't you do that to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> love yourself by, by, by loving your dog. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, that's a great point, though. I think far too many people uh, do that. Uh, Scott, you mentioned earlier the masks, the titles, the things that we put on, uh, because ultimately, if we're going to observe ourselves and we get to this deeper sense of self-love, we have to really observe who we are and get rid of these masks and these titles. What, what, do, what do people need to do to start to peel those things back? Well, I think the first the first thing is just simply recognizing, you know, when somebody asks you who you are, we oftentimes begin with the titles. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm a health practitioner, I'm a I'm a coach, I'm a consultant, I'm a I'm a husband, I'm a father, whatever, right? Yeah. But but ultimately and and even and even more than that, you know, sometimes people will go into um, their 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 current state or status. I am sick. I am depressed. I'm overweight. I am whatever. These things aren't who we are. You know, who you are is is something that happened long before you gained any titles at all. Who you are is something that that. Um, has been in process forever and has, has come to this point in time and invited you onto the planet. Who you are is, is, is a culmination of, of an untold number of events that had to happen in order for you to literally be here in this moment of time. Yeah. Who you are and who you're allowed to be and capable of being is a symphony uh, between you and all of the organisms on the planet, all of the bacteria, the viruses, the, the, the mitochondria that create this human experience. Who you are is, is also part of the stars, the universe. So, 
to say that I'm a parent, I'm a, I'm a health practitioner, I'm whatever, is it begins to look really funny. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you, it really when you, does. When you pull the lens back far enough. And so once we, once we start to see, oh, that's ultimately who I am. I'm all that other stuff. I'm all that, that amazing, miraculous stuff that had to happen in order for me to arrive here. And while I'm here, I'm playing a bunch of roles. I'm going to play the role of a father. I'm going to play the role of a husband. I'm going to play the role of an athlete. I'm going to play the role of a coach, whatever. So we want to make sure that we, we separate our roles and our identities. And once we get to who we truly are, we won't have a name for it because it's such a, a, a profound feeling of, of openness and expression and connection. You can't, you can't even name it. But, but most importantly, you'll know who you, who you aren't. And that's really important. That's what allows us to shed those titles. Once you get a feeling for who you are, you'll know who you're not. And when you know who you're not, you can let that go. Well, how do you express that on a date? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you know, great. I, it, it also, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, in Game of Thrones, when, uh, what, what is it, the faceless man? He's like, a man has no name. A man <laughs> is not this, a man is. And, but you're, I think you're right. I mean, it, it's extremely difficult when you get to that point where you truly understand who you are. You can't define it. You right. can't even name it. And uh, you, you feel it, you see it to a that's, certain degree. That's right. But you don't, you can't name it. That's it's right. too hard. Yeah. And I love, I love that you pointed that out, Steve, that you, that you can feel it, right? You can mm -hmm. feel, you can feel that it has a different quality to it. It has an, an expansiveness to it. It has a levity to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. It, it has, it, it, you can, and, and when you begin to see life through that levity, you can see the humor and the resilience in life. And all yeah. of a sudden it doesn't have to be so serious. Our roles become very serious. Our identities become very serious. And that's what weigh us down. But ultimately who we are is this beautiful orchestration that allows us to be here um, to take on these roles that we choose. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying. I was recently uh, coaching a client on this concept, the masks that we put on, you know, it's, it's not just a an egotistical thing. I'm going to put on this mask so I look better in front of other people. What I find is a lot of people put on a really bad mask that was built up over time that makes them less than what they truly are. It's the beliefs that they have that they can't be amazing, beautiful, wonderful, spectacular. And so this mask or this, this false sense of being is just some bullshit that they've told themselves that is so far away from what their ultimate true power is. And I, I can't say I got into a debate with this uh, person I was coaching, but I, but I finally just looked at her and said, but you have to understand one thing. At some point, as you progress and as you evolve, you're going to get to the point where you truly understand who you are and you're going to realize you're wrong. 
because who you're telling me you are, this lower level self is not who you truly are. And let's talk when you get to that point. That's right. And I, I guess walk people through Scott, when they, as we start to peel these masks back, we start to see, and we start to observe, how do people know that they're on the right path to getting to their true loving levity, resilient self? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's, um, First of all, we, I think we have to get, we have to get comfortable in our bodies first. We have to, you know, most yeah. of, most of us spend so much time and we have such an allegiance to our brain and, you know, our brain is nothing but an amazing storyteller. Yeah. It's an identity maker and a storyteller, and it's a great mask collector. And, um, and once we can recognize the role of our brain, versus the role of say our heart or the intelligence within our ourselves and we take that trip from our brain down into our body and we just simply allow ourselves to get comfortable in our body connecting with our body we can start to build a level of rapport with the intelligence that resides there and this is not the work of the brain. This is the work of allowing ourselves to settle in our body and then asking our true essential nature to begin to show us who we truly are. It's an invitation for the it's an invitation to that essential nature to guide us in a way that can show us who we are versus continuing to kind of uh, orchestrate a bunch of stories about who we think we are. And when we yeah. create that invitation and ask that intelligence, can you please show me who I am? Just one little drop at a time. I just want to get a small taste of who I truly am. And then we just open up our awareness, open up our, our, um, our willingness and curiosity to see something deeper than what we're used to. That intelligence that resides within us is more than willing to show you how incredibly powerful you already are. Yeah. And that's how, we, that's how we begin to have that conversation. And then we, and in that process, we begin, we begin to build trust. Trust builds in this relationship with this deeper intelligence. And as that trust builds, then we are more free to let those masks and costumes go. But if we don't have that trust, there's no way we're going to let go of masks, identity, and costumes because they've served us so well. Yeah, for that's a great point. So it's, it, it, the first step is, is really just beginning to get curious about our own truer, deeper, essential nature and inviting it to guide us to something truer about ourselves than the stories that we've created in our mind. It's almost like I talk about the, question, the body. Yeah, go it's ahead. Asking, it's, it's asking the question of somebody, who would you be if you stepped outside of your cultural trappings totally? Uh, <laughs> who would you be? What person would be standing there if you had no name, no tribe to identify with, no clothing, no profession, nothing? Mm -hmm. 
who would be standing there? And that would be a difficult question to answer. Yeah, Miles, I don't know if I don't know if somebody if if they're really reflecting, I don't know if they'd even find words for it. It's <laughs> a good point. Well, there's a humility to it. And I, I think that that's something that over the years, if you continue to ask those questions, you are living and leaning into this concept of a growth mindset that your evolution is never over. And you might get to the point where you truly understand at a deep level, you can feel, you can uh, nuance who you are, but that continues to grow, that continues to expand because our consciousness continues to expand and grow. And I think that ongoing question of, can you show me is such a beautiful path. But I also want to go back to what you talked about at the very beginning, that you've got to connect to your body. I recently read something that uh, someone had posted on social media that said, there's no way that you, you can uh, achieve a great sense of peace and contentment without uh, addressing some of the issues in your body first. And I thought, oh my God, that's beautiful. That I could not agree more with that. I, in my years of coaching people, saw so many people that were in physical pain and until they started to overcome some of that physical pain, whether it was through some mechanical movement, uh, postural uh, changes that we had to make, whether it was through losing some body fat so that they weren't, uh, you know, burdened by all of this extra weight that they were carrying, uh, there, there was no peace until they really truly learned how to live inside of their body. Mm -hmm. um, I know that your way of working with people is that inside out approach in the body what's the first step that you take people on or what's the first part of the path to help people to become more aware um the first i think we're really we're really talking about it steve i think the the first step for me is is to understand how somebody holds themselves and what i mean by that is um how do they identify in the world um, you know, when, when someone, when someone has a statement, I am overweight, or I am fat, or I am obese, or I am sick, or I am diabetic, or I am, uh, depressed, um, they're, they're making a state, they're making a false statement. They're, yeah they're making a, a completely false statement. And I know that that's just the way that we've been trained, but, but uh, words and consciousness are very powerful things to play with. Mm. And, you know, I, I can have uh, depressed moments, but I'm not a depressed person. I can have depressed days, but I'm not a depressed person. You know, um, yeah. I, may, I may be carrying extra weight, but, but extra weight is something that we can add to or let go of, right? That's not an I am statement. And so once, once I get a sense of how somebody holds themselves, then we begin to explore all the miracles that are happening in the face of the challenges that they perceive. Yeah. Because in a way, once we recognize, wow, you know what, I've, I've got a list of all these challenges that I'm experiencing and that I dislike about myself. And in the face of all that, I have this miraculous body that is still doing the heavy lifting of keeping me alive. 
Let's celebrate. That's what Oda was designed to do, right? It's exactly right. I mean, that's the beauty of it. Despite all of the challenges, the pain, the extra weight, whatever it is, the, the beauty of the human body is, is doing what it's designed to do. That's exactly right. And so, so then it gets back to, the, to where we began, and that is once you observe that, you can see the beauty that even in the face of all of the challenges that you, that you perceive, there's a beautiful, beautiful uh, organism that's at work keeping you alive, keeping you in the game yeah. so that you can stay and play, right? So once the first step is really kind of helping somebody understand at a deeper level, even if it's just a little bit, who they truly are. Because then they start to see that they are in, they are literally a miracle on the planet. <laughs> All of the things that are literally happening moment to moment on their behalf are mostly unexplainable. Yeah. <laughs> and so once we can connect in that realm, we literally start a whole new conversation. And it's not so much about identity with all these titles, it's more about curiosity about, okay, if I'm not that, then who am I? And that opens up a whole new possibility for the, for that person. That's scary for a lot of people. It, from my right. experience, they, they look at it and they say, and I remember going through this on my own. If I, I, I said to myself, okay, I'm not these things. So what the hell am I? And that blank paper, is one of the scariest things. You, you, you said something just a second ago about that each person is a miracle. Now, anybody that has been through the experience, whether you have been a mother that has delivered a baby or you are a father that has sat on the sidelines or you just have seen this miracle childbirth and you hold a baby in your hands for the first time, I have never talked to a human being in my entire life that has not said what a miracle that is to watch and what a miracle that is this baby is a miracle well what the fuck happened from being a miracle as a baby to wherever you're at right now 30 40 50 60 years old you're still a goddamn miracle that's right, right. that's right that's exactly right steve and i and i appreciate like man if 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 you question that all we have to do is simply ask to hold a baby and look into that baby's eyes yeah, for a moment and then recognize that's exactly where every single one of us started. Yep. Every single one of us started there. And in that process between that birth and where we sit now, we've had a busy brain concocting lots of stories, lots of identities, lots of roles, lots of beliefs, lots of limitations, lots of barriers. But the beautiful thing about that is it's just all constructs that can fall away in the, yeah. face, in the face of a truth of who we truly are. Yeah. And, and the truth of who we are is unconditionally sitting there waiting for us to just see it. It's not hiding itself. It's hiding in plain sight, really. It's just sitting there waiting for us to put our eye on it so that it, it can reveal itself and everything else just falls away. That's a great way of putting it. It really is that, that's, that still, that quiet voice that is ready to speak, but the brain is so loud and clamoring 
that the the voice the the true self never screams the true self never jumps out and says here i am it's the brain that does that but when the brain quiets and you get to that voice that's inside of you that says yeah this is me and yeah. it does it at that low level now you're on that resonance where you understand who you are yeah well, you know the the irony and the paradox of what we're talking about when we when we say if the baby comes out and all this stuff happens to the baby, we do that to the baby. We're yeah, the ones yeah. that give it all these definitions of who it's going to be, who yeah. it is. This is, you are this, you are that, you are this, you do this, you go there. We do that. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's that's on us. That's right. Yeah. We, and I would and I would also argue, Miles, that we we innocently do that. Yeah, right. right. Like, yeah, yeah. Trust, sure. yep. trust intentions, right? Right. Best intentions. And, and, and unfortunately, we just don't recognize that through our best intentions, sometimes we're creating limitation. Most times right. we're creating limitation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, my, my wish has always been, you know, um, you know, if we could, if we could find a deeper truth within ourselves before we bring another being into the world, that would be one of the most helpful things we could do for the planet. Yeah. yeah. And it's just not, it's not, it's just not on the curriculum list. Right. It's a tough thing too. I mean, as a parent, I remember, um, I read Carol DeWick's book, Mindset. Um, we'd already had all three of our kids at the time, but I realized as soon as I read it, that, uh, how screwed up I, uh, made my oldest, uh, to no fault of her own, but we had been praising her for being smart or whatever other labels we put on her. And that created a fixed mindset inside of her. And so at a certain point when school got a little bit challenging, as it always does, you know, she went from being smart to hiding when the challenges came up. And that that was, I, I apologized uh, to her and uh, let her and the other two know that, uh, you know, mom and dad love you and we will praise you for your effort. We will uh, challenge you to continue to improve and grow, uh, but we will never give you a label like this again. Uh, because that was, that was something I grew up with, uh, from well-meaning, uh, friends, parents, mentors, loved ones. Like I was told I was a great artist. And then when I wasn't, I, that fixed mindset crashed up against it. And, um, I just didn't know where to go from there. You know, we, we talked a little bit about this in, uh, I believe it's episode 58 with Todd Sylvester, where he says, uh, the statement, whatever follows, I am follows me. And so when you're talking about these I am statements, they are so powerful and they're lies too. If we're being completely honest, they are just lies. They're constructs that we put out there as our way of trying to navigate the world. Um, in a way they act as barriers to keep people away or they act as barriers to keep us away from other people. Um, and I, I, they're not very good parts of our immune system, but they keep us immune to feeling certain things, don't they? <laughs> yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I think they 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 act as um, they act as as armor. Um, yeah, yeah, great definition. You know, we we can't we haven't quite recognized the brilliance that we are, and um, and and without recognizing that true power, our best effort is to is to armor up, and. Yeah. Uh, and 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 just seems like labels and titles and and um, and masks are our best effort to protect ourselves. 
um, until that's we a great way of describing it the armor we do put on that armor and when you think about the greatest fighters in you know i mean and i don't obviously i don't know i'm just watching movies but uh you know when they put on all this armor and they go out to fight and then you see somebody come out with not much armor on because they're much more skilled they knew who they know who they are they know how to move right yeah. there's a big difference between the two yeah. i almost think that that's like life that when we don't have the armor when we don't need the armor we tend to be a lot more resilient in life steve i love that it's a it's a beautiful metaphor i love it and and it it's it's so powerful to to kind of just see when we when we know who we are or have just a little bit of a deeper sense of it, we can step out and be naked. And when we yeah. can step out and be naked, we invite others to do the same. Yeah. And through that invitation, they see who they are. Yeah. But if we're all walking around completely armored up, we just perpetuate the idea that it's okay to, to carry titles and, and, and encourage yeah. more titles. But it's those who can step out and be completely naked and show themselves who they truly are. They literally create uh, a, an invitation for us to all do the same, which is a great gift for us all. Yeah. Well, it's funny when yeah. you, when you, it, it, it almost, it's logical. The more armor you put on, the more you have to defend that armor. <laughs> <laughs> And the slower so you, you're going to be. So slower. you're just in a defensive posture all yeah. the time because yeah. you've got so many layers on. Yeah. And you have Great to defend point. that. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. Because you're going to defend every single title. You're going to defend every role. Yeah. You're going to defend. Right. right? Because they're, they're, they're each a, their own entity in themselves. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. like you're armored up, but every single one of those titles is armored up as well. And, and to, to your point, Steve, the more, the more you're wearing, the less, the less movement, the less agile, uh, the less flexible. Um, uh, a, 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 a quick, quick story from when I was a kid <clears throat> going on a date. I was on a train going out to Queens to meet this girl. I just met her. We were going to go on our first date. And, and I had the man armor on. You know, I had the shirt, the collar was up. I had the glasses on. I had a jacket nice. on and, and I and I had the, the cool armor on. I was, you know, my, I was cool. And I get out to Queens and it's really hot. And I don't know where she got this from. She 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 was naked. And when I say naked, she just I, when I got off the train, I grabbed her hand and didn't even say anything. We just started walking. And she stopped me. She took the glasses off. She put my collar down. She took the jacket off and she said, how was your trip out here? And when she did all that, I relaxed and said, man, the train was really hot and it was long to get out here. And she just totally disarmored me. Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, it, Miles, I, I mean, you're really just, just like speaking to what we we're just talking about in that here she is, less armor is more. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and she could see through your armor right. and wanted to connect with you beyond your armor. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Scott, one of the things that we um, teased at the beginning of the episode, and, I, and we referenced this uh, a bit in uh, the episode 20 that you were on before, is the power of the immune system. I, I want you to walk our listeners through the concept of immunity, the concept of the immune system, because I think that that 
those words are thrown around a lot these days. Yeah. Boost your immunity by doing this. Uh, you know, safeguard yourself by doing that. Let, let's start with the basics. Yeah. What is the immune system? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that I, that I started reflecting on over this past couple of years is, you know, are we really actually working with an immune system or are we working with immune consciousness? Mm. And immune consciousness is a deeper invitation to see who we truly are in relationship to immunity. We have this false idea. We have created this false idea that it's us against them. It's, it's humans against bacteria. It's humans against virus. It's humans against parasites. And what we don't realize, what, what most people don't fully realize is that, that the makeup of who we are is far more bacteria, far more virus, and far more parasite than there are actual cells in the body. Yeah. All of these, all of the, the, you know, the, the, the bacteria, viruses and, and parasite, they all are in constant communication, not only with each other, but also with the cells of the body. In addition to all of that micro uh, virome outside of the body in nature, it's all in constant communication. So there's really much more of a consciousness than there is a system. The system is actually the planet, <laughs> right? Mm. And, and what we're experiencing, perspective. what we're experiencing in that is, is a, is a consciousness, but yeah. from our, from our current kind of way that we, that we see it, we, we pit ourselves against, uh, we think, uh, we think that the immune system is this sterilizing agent. Well, it's actually not. Mm. It's, a, it's a communication uh, agent. It allows and facilitates communication so that we can more easily adapt to an environment so that we can evolve. Yeah. Without that communication, we can't evolve and we become sick. And so what we want to do is, is, is look at the immune consciousness or immune system, however you want to look at it. And we want to look at it as a way of what are all the ways that, that I innocently get in the way of this immune system being able to communicate within itself, within this organism and with nature itself. And those, the, all of those ways include uh, our state of mind, our stress. Yeah. Our hydration, things that we've talked about in the past, right? Uh, our movement, our sleep, our lifestyle factors. The more inflamed this body becomes, the less communication happens between cells and between those cells and the, the microbes of the body. And so we want to open up communication channels so that we can more easily adapt. And when a virus decides to express itself, we have enough vitality and resilience so that we can get the update that it's offering us. Because the update that a virus is offering us is an update so that we can be more resilient in the environment. But, but in a way, when we don't understand that, when it's us against them, we're trying to wipe out 
the, the, the systems that are trying to actually make us more resilient in the long run. Wow. That is fascinating to think about. I, you know, I've, I've heard several scientists say that if you were to take all of the bacterial and viral cells in our body and you were to lay them out next to all of the other cells, the question then becomes who's the host? Are we the host <laughs> or are we the symbiote? Uh, because there are more bacterial and viral cells than there are other cells. I'm, I'm fascinated by what you're talking about here, that we are in this constant communication um, with the environment, with everything else that's around us. And I love how you talked about that inflammation, and that's something that, that can block the communication, right? That's something where we don't have the resilience. And so if I have inflammation in my gut, if I have inflammation, um, in my head, headache, if I have it in a joint, it's going to block that communication with the rest of the world. There was some studies done uh, several years back where they were talking about chronic disease. And then uh, some other researchers looked at how nature affected chronic disease. And then I, another one that I read talked about how uh, nature was affecting people that had uh, attention deficit uh, hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. And they took people that, uh, you know, these kids that had ADHD, took them out into nature, uh, had a significant amount of time in nature with them. And over 12 weeks, essentially got rid of all of the negative side effects of ADHD uh, by, you know, getting them immersed in nature. So whether it's chronic disease and spending time in nature or something where, you have a, a brain that's wired different. Uh, this constant communication with our ecosystem, I mean, we're not set up for that in, in our day and age. We are too homogenized. Okay. Um, how, how we're, what are you doing to coach people to get back into the overall system? If the world, if the earth is the system and we're part of that, how do we jump back in? How do we get out of the matrix? Yeah, I think it goes back to our first our first point. Who are you, right? You're you're once we start to recognize, you know, who we are on the in the physical world. Who we are is this amazing amalgamation of of viruses and bacteria and parasites and cells and and molecules. It's it's this beautiful symphony. So once we recognize that. Then we can start to ask the next question. Well, how do you facilitate um, a beautiful orchestration of that? Well, first of all, we need biodiversity. One of the things that, that gets in the way when we're sitting, spending all of our time indoors in offices and around the same people all the time, we don't realize that there's a massive exchange of information between us all the time. Yeah. And when we're around a diverse group of people, we're exchanging a massive amount of information that creates a biodiversity of bacteria, of virus that makes us more resilient in that, in that period of time. When we get out in nature, that same exchange happens where we're breathing in different air, we're kicking up different dirt and dust, we're breathing in all of this uh, new bacteria that creates a biodiversity that again, strengthens us and helps us become more resilient and 
connects us to literally connects us so that we become one with nature. So once people start to understand that connection, it's no longer kind of this idea that I need to convince you to get out. It's much more them trying to figure out like, how can I structure my time? Because I see that my vitality depends on it. My health depends on it. Um, and, and, and I think the, the last point, because you were talking about nature, one of the things that I, that I so like, I so deeply love about nature is it's comfortable with itself. There yes. is one yeah. aspect of nature that's sitting there being jealous of some other aspect of nature. Yeah. Right? It, it, it is just so at home within itself that once we're present with nature, that invitation to be completely at peace with yourself is, is, uh, is presented to you. And in that presentation, we literally let ourselves be at home. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that. And I like, hold the sign up again, Miles. What does it say? The, the sun, sun never, never doubts, doubts its, its ability, ability to burn. To That's burn, right. To burn. <laughs> That's right. But you're right. The trees don't sit around and say, oh, I wish I were a rock. The rock doesn't sit there and say, oh, I'd like to be a mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And Whatever I'll, it is, I'll, it is. I'll take it back to when we were talking about kids. I used to talk about this in uh, my yoga and meditation class. Um, the, the success rate for children walking, learning to walk, is 100%. <laughs> Kids yeah. don't, little babies don't wake up and go, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do it today. I don't want to do it. They, they don't have the language for it. So it's just this pure action. They get up, they fall down, they get up, they fall down. They keep watching us walk around and then they're walking. Yeah. And that's probably the greatest paradigm for success. But again, as the kid gets older, he or she gets armored up. Yeah. And those initial lessons of, you know, I never questioned. I didn't talk about my lack of self-esteem is why I couldn't walk sooner. They don't, they don't possess yeah. these things. Yeah. It's just the action and the universe and what we're talking about. It just in nature. In nature is just an action. Yeah, and nature's just it's just being itself. It's just being itself. Well, and I think part of that, Scott, you said something really profound earlier. You never need to motivate people to get outside because once they understand their true nature, they'll just find a way to do it. And <laughs> I think that motivation is something that we look for when we lack purpose. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't uh, get a little motivation here and there. It's kind of like a shower. You should probably take one every, every few days, right? Um, but you don't need a lot of motivation if you have a sense of purpose and your purpose comes from that understanding of who you are. That's right. That's right. It, it, it really begins. That's where for me, Steve, that's where it begins. It begins with a curiosity. You know, oftentimes people come into my office and they, they would rather initially they would rather try and convince me of who they think they are mm. uh, rather than really kind of taking a deep, curious ex uh, exploration of their true nature. And once people begin to see that their curiosity grows 
And nature is such an unbelievably grounding force that once people allow themselves to be in nature and they allow themselves to slow down to the speed of nature, they find that they just get so much vitality, but they also just feel more like themselves when they're in it. So it's more yeah. like it's more like a magnet that draws them out into it. But when we're doing it through um, through an obligation, we we miss that presence. And you know, oftentimes we're busy checking our stats, checking our watches, checking our you yeah. know whatever we're tracking instead of actually being there, being witnessed by nature as a miraculous being. And once we're witnessed as a miraculous being by nature. We're invited to see that for ourselves. And that feels unbelievably true. I wonder if I, you, you sparked something in my mind when you said obligation. I wonder if obligation is always tied to a mask or if it's always tied to some sort of egocentric action. Whereas true drive, true magnetic uh, forces that are pulling you towards the things that will build your immunity, help you to live in harmony. If that's the true self, I mean, I don't know. You really, you really kind of got something sparked in my mind. I'm going to play with that idea for a while. I'm going to play with that as well. I, I think, I think there's some, some truth to that, that, that um, obligation comes through a false identity. Um, yeah. a, a need to prove something, a need to uphold a false construct, whatever, however we want to put it. Whereas yeah. um, when you, when you uncover a magnet of, of your true essential nature, uh, it'll draw you to, um, it'll draw you to the areas of life that fulfill it. Because as soon as you ask the question, you really start to move in the direction to get the answer, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's the, I, I've never been in a situation in life where I've asked a question uh, to myself that within a relatively short period of time, I didn't find out what that answer was. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so we're living in conjunction with who we are. We're living in conjunction with nature. Other ideas relative to immunity. What can people do? Yeah. Well, first of all, we want to increase, we want to improve, we want to improve that, that connection and conversation and communication in the body. And one of the best ways to begin that process is through hydration. Okay. And um, one of the things that we have to realize is that most people, most of us are, are drinking compute completely purified, uh, reverse osmosis water is stripped out. There's no, there's no minerals in there and we need yep. minerals in our body. We are literally made of these of minerals. We need minerals in our body to enhance communication in that cellular network. And so we not only need to hydrate cells so that we can uh, get hydration in, but get toxicity out. Yep. Um, and we, we need, uh, we need electrolytes and minerals to do that because cells don't have their own pump system. They create a pump through sodium potassium, right? right? So we, we need to have that to, to, to completely hydrate the cell to enhance communication and drive toxicity 
and inflammation out. So that's a really important piece of the puzzle. The other important piece of the puzzle is uh, if we want to experience more of our true nature, then we should choose foods that are there that are close to their true nature. And it's a very simple concept, but oftentimes overlooked. So if we, if we increase the nutrient density of our diet by choosing foods that come from the earth, and if we're gonna eat animal products, choose an animal that's eating food that comes from the earth, not foods that are coming from factories, not foods that are so overprocessed that they're literally stealing your vitality, stealing your minerals, stealing your enzymes and depleting you of your life force. So it's very simple to begin to choose foods that are close to nature. And that helps to um, give us enough of the rebuilding nutrients so that we can have a robust communication system, so that we can have a robust immune system, so that we can have biodiversity uh, in our microbiome, in our bacteria. Um, you know, rest is extremely important. You know, the, the, the amount of rest that we yeah. get, it's not only sleep, but it's also giving our organs a rest. Um, you know, cycling different kinds of food, a biodiversity, biodiversity in our food allows for a level of rest within our digestive system, which is unbelievably busy 24 seven. So there's, there's so many things that we, that are just um, designed within our lifestyle that every single one of us are doing anyways. And it's only a half a step or maybe even one full step to enhance whatever we're doing to align it more with our true nature. And that enhances that communication and that enhances our capacity to evolve with the environment versus against the environment. Say that again. That was something I think is really powerful for people be, I've, because you've heard it and I've heard it over the years. Oh, I can't eat like this. I can't do that. I can't, you know, they're all the stories of why people can't do something. And I tell them, uh, you, you've already got habits. You're already putting food into your mouth. You are already uh, choosing certain habits in your life. The only difference between the habit of sitting your ass down on the couch and sitting your ass down with a bar on your back doing a squat is where are you going to do it? And how many times are you going to do it? Right? There, there's, you have habits, why not guide them? So say that again, when you talked about this idea of just it's your, what, how did you put it one step away or one simple yeah. movement? Yeah. Away? I mean, you really just said it, Steve, like, look, we, we already have uh, we've already created a sleep opportunity every single yeah. day. We already have that built in. So what would, what would allow me to enhance that so that I can really take advantage of that eight hour opportunity that I've created? Well, yeah. I could have a better sleep environment. I could make sure my lights are turned off. I could, I could actually get into bed a little bit earlier. Um, I could get off the screens earlier. The, all these things enhance it. Um, enhance the depth of our sleep, which enhances the experience of our life. Because we see once we're rested, we begin to see life in high definition. Yeah. Right? Which is, is supposed to be normal. It's amazing to me how many people live in such a shitty spot. 
And once they start making these simple changes, they're like, oh, I don't feel pain. Well, you're not supposed to feel pain. Yeah. The human body is not supposed to continue to suffer. When you have vitality and energy throughout the day, that's normal. Now, I know it's not normal in our day and age, but that is normal. Yeah. That's what your body is designed to do. Yeah. And, and the, one of the things I like to reflect on, reflect on is, this, is this ratio between the rate of injury versus the rate of repair. And mm, you'll, know, yeah. you'll know where you are on that ratio. If you're walking around with a bunch of pain, then your ratio, your ratio is off. You're, you've got a higher rate of injury than you do rate of repair. And so in that, there is nothing but invitation to simply begin to uh, shift some of the, the, the required lifestyle habits that you already have built in and just begin to tweak them little bits, little bits. We're not asking for a huge change, just little bits, little bits in the vitality that they feed back to you. The dividend that they pay back reinforces that you're on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's a beautiful. And then all of a sudden that ratio flips and you find that you're, that, that you're repairing far more than you're injuring. And that's where, that's where you just feel like, you know, not, life is just a big bundle of possibility right in front of you. Why, why do people feel Scott, like they have to make big changes in life? You know, the healthiest people I know, are the people that are doing what you're talking about, the ones that with the most vitality, they're making these nuanced shifts, whether it's on a day to day, week by week or month by month basis, they're making nuanced shifts to their, uh, to their habits to make their life better. Those that are unhealthy, they, they feel like they've got to make a massive shift in life. Why is that? I think there are several reasons for it. I think the, um, the one that I, I see most often is uh, is to prove that um, that it's not possible for themselves. You know, it's easy it's easy to to bite off so much that you can't chew it, and so you spit it out and you say, "See, it didn't work for me." But if you were to take small bites, chew them, swallow them, integrate that bite into your organ in, into your body it would feed back to you the next kind of bite that you're ready to take. And so it becomes this beautiful communication. You know, changing behavior should be a, a process of communication, curiosity and communication rather than whipping a horse, you know? And what, what, what most people do is they, they, they try and whip the horse, but that horse is already tired and fatigued and overworked and overburdened. But if we just say, hey, look, you know what? We're going to move in a direction of, of, of health and well-being. Most importantly, there is an intelligence within me that understands how to do this far better than my brain ever does. Yeah. And if I'm willing to connect with that intelligence and ask it, what would be the next best half step for me to engage in? And all I have to, be do, all I have to do is be willing to take that half step now I'm in communication with a deeper intelligence and that disrupts willpower <laughs> and it disrupts strategy because now we're just moving in time in presence with an intelligence that knows you better than you will ever know yourself. 
That's a beautiful way to put it. You used a cuss word earlier, the one that I, I absolutely hate called prove. I think the prove, when you think you have to prove something, you absolutely 100% know you are not connected with your deeper intelligence because the deeper intelligence never has to prove anything. Got it, man. That's exactly right. And you said something earlier too, Steve, like, like you know, the brain is noisy. Uh, yeah. And, and, and it's noisy. And the voice that the brain uses is noisy because it's trying to prove itself. It's trying to prove its worth. Yeah. Right. And, and insecurity always needs to prove itself, but truth never has to prove itself. And it's unconditionally there. And all we have to do is have a willingness to put our eye on it and invite it forward and and ask it to show us something that we don't know yet and it's bold yeah. and willing to show us it takes me back to when i remember the first time reading eckhart toll's power of now and he talks about uh, essentially the death of the ego and how the ego will fight and you know scream and yell and i i didn't understand that at the time but this idea that the ego continually has to prove itself, it has to show, hey, no, we're, we're, we need to be here. And we can't, we, we can't die. We, we have to make you think about the future. We have to make you think about the past. And I remember as I was pondering this idea, I'm like, God, where is he going with this? What does this mean? And I literally had a massive headache by thinking about it. And then as soon as I just sunk into my body and I became present, I realized what he was talking about, the power of now. There are no problems in the moment. There are things that we may want to address a moment from now, but there are no problems in the moment. And that was just one of those things where my brain kept trying to fight me to say what he's saying isn't true. And then as I sat and I dropped, literally from my head to my heart, and I breathed, Mm. I understood what he was talking about because I experienced the power of now. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I, I like to, to think about like the, the ego likes to create a problem so that it can solve it and prove its worth, you know? And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, but to your point, when, 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 when we drop into presence, there, there's really more opportunity or possibility than there are perceived problems. And if, yeah. even if there is a, a, a problem, quote unquote problem from that presence will have deeper clarity about how to navigate with it and through it. Yeah. I love that. Scott, why are there so many pills and powders out on the aisles nowadays that are telling us that they can boost our immune system? Because we've been told that we're fragile. We've been told that we're broken. We've been told that um, you need to protect yourself. You need to armor up. We've been told that we're by nature, that we're sick, that we need uh, to be enhanced by chemistry, that we need to be enhanced by, uh, by the lab. Uh, we've been told over and over that um, we are not fit for the planet. Yeah. And because we've, we deeply believe that we've created an unbelievable market for pills, powders, and potions um, to enhance whatever, 
we're trying to enhance. But you can't un- you can't enhance truth. You can't enhance yeah. you can't enhance true understanding. And when people start to connect with that, they they may use those things not because they need to, but because they choose to. Um, yeah. They won't do it out of habit. They'll just do it out of curiosity. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I mean, I take, uh, I, I take some mineral supplements and I've got uh, trace minerals that I put into my water for hydration and uh, electrolytes because I don't always know where my, you know, what's in my water and what, uh, the, the, you know, I, I don't always have the, uh, the convenience or the option of getting great water. And so I keep mineral drops with me because I want to make sure that I stay hydrated. So I'm not opposed to them, but uh, I love what you're talking about that it's, we've been told that we're broken. We've been told that there's something wrong with this. And we take an allopathic medic medicine uh, philosophy that the way to fix that is to take a pill or a powder rather than digging into that innate sense. I was talking to a gastroenterologist uh, that I work with recently and she said, I can't remember what the statistic was, but I, I want to say it was something about nine out of 10 uh, GI disorders are all caused because of someone's stress levels. Mm-hmm. So uh, levels of stress in the brain, levels of stress in their environment, uh, emotional issues. And uh, wow, that just, I, I, I can't say that I was shocked or surprised, but it still blew me away mm-hmm. at how amazing the stress that we have can cause issues to one of the most important areas of our immunity, right? In, in the gut and the, the pressure, the pain that we, we build up inside of ourselves, it can truly just destroy that communication and that connection like you're talking about. That's exactly right. It, you, the, the gut is such an unbelievable health, uh, hub for health, well-being, mental health and well-being, uh, yeah. immune health, and well-being, not to mention its its role in just breaking down food so that the energy within the food can be released. Um, it is so, but it's so connected to the brain. Mm-hmm. And when we have a busy brain, we have an over-busy physiology in our gut. And an over-busy physiology in the gut is not what you want. You want a gut right. that is... That is uh, in a parasympathetic state when that food arrives so that it can break it down and deliver the goods. When we have a busy brain, we have a gut that is kind of caught up in that sympathetic fight or flight state. And over time, that creates a degenerative state within the gut. We break down the secretory IgA, which is the first line of defense in that immune system structure. We start to develop leaky gut challenges, which means we become more sensitive to the foods that we're, that we're eating. We create more and more inflammation. The more inflammation we create in the gut, it actually impacts our brain. And all yeah. of a sudden we have a gut on fire. We have a brain on fire. We have brain fog, anxiety that now feeds that gut system. And now we're caught in the loop. And so what's the invitation? Well, in, in our current world, the invitation is take more pills so that you can you know, decrease the inflammation and get your, get your gut realigned. The deeper invitation is, is what are all the masks and identities and ideas that you're wearing and entertaining that are, that are overburdening your system? Yeah. Right. So again, it kind of, it kind of begins with that question, 
who am I? You know, health really begins, health begins with that question, who am I? Because, you know, healing, healing is a process of, of allowing things to fall away, not adding things on. Yeah. Healing. You really cut more things out when you're healing, right? It's a sloughing off of the things that don't matter. I, I had an art teacher when I was in college uh, that he, it was a drawing class that I was taking and he said something that I've been able to apply in many areas of life. He says that, uh, you know, he said the art was, is the process of correction through recognition. And he said, when you're drawing something, you look at it and say, okay, well, maybe that angle of that eye was not quite right. And so it needs to erase. And let me correct that once I recognize it. And I've really found that that is life too, because I, I think art and life are together. And life is the process of correction through recognition, which typically means we're simplifying things, right? We're correcting something when we recognize it and we get rid of things and we make them less complicated. Um, you know, that link between the gut and the brain and that loop, I think Mark Madsen talks about it in his book, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, that we, we create this feedback loop from hell. And, um, you know, we're worried about being worried. We're anxious about being anxious. And so we continue to activate the brain and the gut, and it just cycles and cycles and cycles. And then one day we end up in the hospital because we've got ulcerative colitis or you know, whatever else is going on. But you don't get rid of that by taking pills. You don't get rid of that by taking powders. You get rid of that by going deep. Yeah, that's exactly right. We, you know, life ultimately is a game of subtraction. And yeah. sometimes we don't understand that we think it's a game of addition. Um, yeah. The game of it's a game of of letting go and 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 allowing what wants to come through us, rather than um, adding on a bunch of ideas and stories and beliefs about ourselves that ultimately create an inflamed brain syndrome because you can never live up to the story. The story that we tell for ourselves is one that's impossible to live up to. Yeah. The true story of ourselves doesn't require any narration. Yeah. Yeah. You can't define it just like you can't define yourself. Well, Scott, I know we're coming uh, uh, up on our time. A few last questions for you. Um, you know, I, you're, you've always been a very uh, intuitive person. Uh, I've loved looking at your library when I've been into your uh, studios in the past and all the books that you've read. Um, so I know that you're, you're doing, you practice what you preach, right? You, you live this stuff, and that's why it comes across as so powerful. What are some of the physical routines that you live by? Yeah. Oh man, I um I really have first of all, I I I have a a curiosity um or exploratory meditation that I that I love for myself. It's it's a time when I can just hold space, go within and literally ask my true self to show me what it wants me to know. And um, that exercise has allowed me to see so much um, beyond what I think to be true, that it's just, um, it's something that I, I cherish each morning. Um, 
I also really appreciate uh, what breath work can do for us. Breath work in, in so many different forms allows us to get comfortable in our own body. But it also has the capacity to shut off the parts of our brain that are so noisy and allows us to become uh, present and present to ourselves and present to what wants to come through. And so um, breath work is really a, an important part of, of, my, of my day and, 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 uh, and throughout my day. Um, I've really, really grown uh, over the past few years, really grown to appreciate uh, cold exposure. Um, mm, appreciate what it, it does um, for my body physically. I appreciate what it does uh, for my mind. Um, and I appreciate and enjoy the experience of, uh, of getting out <laughs> yeah. and, and, uh, and, and feeling that rush of vitality as, as my metabolism revs up and, and every, and all that mitochondria come alive so that this body can reheat itself. It just feels like this burst of vitality. Yeah. Uh, and then beyond that, it's just having a commitment to move every day. Um, and, and it's, and I don't know what kind of movement's going to arrive. That's, that's up for, that's up, that's, uh, that's up for, up for grabs, but I have a commitment to move, whether that's through, um, strength training, yoga, going out for a walk, getting on the mountain bike, going for ski that I don't know, but the commitment is to move. Um, that's awesome. So, I mean, those are just some of the things that I think, um, they just kind of help life look a little bit more HD to me. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I, I, well, I love it. I, a couple of things you talked about that I, that really resonate with me. I think one, the cold, uh, exposure, it brings so much resilience. As you said earlier there, we are not broken and we are not fragile. Um, there are times where I'll go out, uh, in, in this type of weather and go for a run. I, I put gloves on if I'm being honest, uh, you know, cause my, I don't like my hands getting cold and sometimes I'll throw a beanie on, but I'll go out in shorts and, a, and no shirt on. And I've got gloves and, and a beanie because I just don't like being cold in those areas. Uh, but I love the feeling of the ice cold uh, wind against my skin when I'm out there and that sense of vitality and that resilience that comes. And I don't care that people are looking at me like I'm some dumbass on the road or, you know, on the, on the um, trail and they're bundled up head to toe. I just, I love how I feel. So I'm with you on the cold thing. I think that, uh, you know, it's interesting that that's become such a big conversation today. And I think we're probably just scratching the surface on the uh, physical, mental, uh, emotional, spiritual benefits of that. Uh, you, you mentioned something too, that really resonates a few years back. Um, I have a friend of mine that he has since passed away, but he was extremely healthy into his uh, 70s and, and uh, 80s before cancer took him. And I just, I looked at him one day, we're sitting on the bike, he was recovering from a uh, cancer surgery. I had tweaked my knee trying to move some things around. I just didn't have good mechanics. And so we're, we're both there on the bike. And I said, well, here we are, you know, we're still moving, which uh, is good. And I said, but how have you done this? I mean, you've done multiple marathons, you've done all these different things. What, what does this look like for you now in your seventies, almost 80 years old? And he says, Steve, I made a commitment much like you're saying, Scott, to move every day. 
I don't always know what that's going to look like, but I'm going to move every day. I'm going to do enough to push myself, but not too much so that I can't move the next day. And that was the secret. And so, you know, one day he might be on a bike riding up the canyon. Another day he might be snowboarding. Uh, another day he's lifting weights. But there was this sense of just beautiful intuition that has, uh, you know, led to a, a wonderful life. And his wife, who has who was much younger than him, is you know still alive. And that's how she lives. Uh, their whole family. They just they they move on a daily basis, and it's so impactful. Scott, if uh, you, if you were to give our listeners one final tip, one final habit, and and they were to only do this one habit to get started uh, on their health and fitness journey, what would that be? What comes to mind in this moment is if if you can start by just connecting to your breath. Yeah. The reason I say that is, you know, the breath is oftentimes overlooked. Um, there's so much depth in the breath, but most importantly, you can't breathe in the future and you can't breathe in the past. And when you connect yeah. with the breath, yeah. you're in the presence. And yeah. when you're in presence, you're connecting to your true self. And that's an invitation to pure possibility. Beautiful, beautiful answer. You can't breathe in the future and you can't breathe in the past. It's only connecting you to the present. What a beautiful way of putting it. Well, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another episode of the Evolve Podcast. I want to thank our guest, Scott Kelly, for joining us today and my co-host, W. Miles Riley. Uh, Scott, you're always doing some amazing things. What is the best way for people to connect with you, follow your personal evolution, and get coached by you? Uh, they can simply go to scottkellycoaching.com and uh, begin to explore there. You've got some great resources on there. I think for anybody that is just really questioning on the fence, jump on there, get some time with Scott. I mean, uh, Scott, I really value our friendship over the years. And like I said, I, I get so much out of our conversations. I remember, I think I told the story before, but, uh, you know, one of the first times my wife met you and she sat and listened to us talk and we get in the car and I said, wasn't that awesome? Isn't Scott great? She goes, I have no idea what you guys were talking about. I said, well, that makes it even better because we were going so deep on biomechanics and physiology. And I, I just, I, I love that stuff. So anyway, well, Scott, uh, thanks again for joining us. And hey, folks, remember that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt but now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.